Hey everyone, welcome back to the Shooting the Shift podcast, the first podcast of the Dave Dombrowski era. The Phillies have Antonio, your thoughts. The Phillies have fired. I thought it was really interesting to hear that Dombrowski is the Phillies' first ever president of baseball operations. I thought that was kind of a thing all organizations did, but I guess I guess not. Um, but I am at first I was nervous. Um, Dombrowski is a proven winner. I'll give him that. 1997 Miami Marlins World Series champion. 2006 and 2012, he built a roster in Detroit that took them to the World Series. 2018, won a World Series in Boston. The reason I was not the biggest fan of the hire at first was the one thing that all of those franchises had in common after Dombrowski won them a World Series was they were left in prospect ruin. They had nothing moving forward. They almost all of those all of those franchises collapsed. Detroit is still trying to rebuild. We don't know what's going on in Boston. And Miami looks like they just turned the corner again. So I was a little nervous about that. The Phillies don't really have a top-tier farm system to begin with. And I was a little bit nervous that Dombrowski was going to deplete what was already kind of depleted. So can I just say, this came out of freaking... Nowhere. nowhere absolutely they, nowhere they had name after name that we were interviewing it was burns uh hill and uh thad levine uh, thad levine was thad levine was probably my top target if we weren't getting theo obviously but obviously but so we had guy after guy just one by one back out just not interested in taking they didn't, they the didn't president want to relocate. job. Yeah, nobody wants to relocate in a pandemic. But people backing out of a top job in a top market. Yeah. Which is something scary. And then out of nowhere, Dave Dombrowski is close to being the president of baseball ops for the Phillies. And- I heard from sources that Dombrowski originally turned down the offer. Um, I, I you watched, we both watched his press conference yesterday. At the very beginning, he was talking about how he was committed to bringing baseball to Nashville. And he kind of didn't want to leave that. And I think that's part of the reason he turned down the Phillies offer in the first place. I think another reason that I heard from sources was that he was a bit wary about John Middleton's imposed financial crunch on the organization. Dombrowski is a known big spender, but obviously something had to have changed for him to accept the job. Um, I don't know what changed, but he's here. He's our president of baseball ops. Now I'm praying what changed is John Middleton opening up his checkbook. I'm, yeah, I, 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 that's you can have this. Yeah, but, you know, he, he talked about all about spending stupid money. I think now we're going to, we saw it last year. I think again, I don't know if we're going to see it as big as we saw it last year, this year, but I do think in the future, I think we're going to see John Middleton continue with that promise of spending stupid money. Well, good. He did just hire the front office equivalent. 
of stupid the money. Poster child of stupid <laughs> money. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, Dombrowski's known for being a big spender. He's known for trading top prospects to get that final piece of the uh, puzzle and to make teams World Series contenders. So um, I'm hoping that it was John Middleton opening his checkbook that really got Dombrowski here. Um, I don't know how many big free agent signings he's going to make this offseason. Hopefully one or two. Um, obviously, last week, we at the end, we instituted the official shooting the shift podcast mantra for the Philadelphia Phillies 2021 season, and it's run it back. Run it back. So hopefully he does that signing JT. But I I will say uh, at first I was a little worried. And then I watched the press conference and it kind of put me at ease a little bit. Um, Jeff, is there anything that really stuck out to you from his in- introductory press conference to the Philadelphia Phillies? What stuck out to me is he is coherent. Something that we haven't had in press oh. conferences in a while. I mean, Why we're upgrading. There's, like that? There, there's, there's no doubt that we're upgrading. And he has a track record. And he, he just he definitely came across as a baseball guy. So, I mean, the way he was talking, it kind of eased a lot of people's concerns a little bit. And I think the most important thing was him sharing his love for one of our favorites, Mick Abel. That was one of the things that really put me at ease. Um, And I remember I texted you and I said, oh, boy, this does not look good for Mick Abel. Like this Dombrowski hiring does not look good for Mick Abel. And then Dombrowski comes into his press conference and goes, I really love the Phillies' first pick of the draft. I was like, oh, my God, we got the right guy. He's not going to trade Mick Abel, or so we hope. I was I just... think half the, uh, half the fan base was already starting to write Mick Abel's Phillies eulogy I, he, as I, soon we as he were, was hired. We were. If but... I could just share, though, my, my kind of concern – and optimism, my two main things for Dombrowski. What concerns me most isn't that he's going to deplete our farm system or he's going to spend too much money. It's that the organizations that he's gone to in the past and turned into successful winners, the thing that they had going for them that we don't is they had prospect capital to burn. They had lower budgets to be able to spend. Like with the Red Sox, yeah, he went out and made the big moves to get Chris Sale, trading Yohan Mankata and Kopech, but he was still able to not trade Raphael Devers. Like there was, if we made a trade like that, like the Chris Sale move, oh, that would. We don't, we don't have the guys to be able to trade and still have prospects. So right. my concern there is just that I, I'm not sure that our organization right now fits his skill set. Maybe he can fair. alter a little bit, like adjust, and 
it could leave us in a better situation than he's left other teams. But I think that's just my cautious optimism. But the main thing that that made me excited, I think the only thing that really had me excited about the signing was we've been looking for a sign that John Middleton would be willing to spend this offseason, willing to do anything, any sign that he would be looking to bring back JT. This has this to re- represent the best chance. Yeah, I mean, I... I was talking with some people that listen to the show and over social media. And I was saying like, this is a very, it's an op. It's a, it's a direct contradiction to what Middleton was saying before about yes. the cost cutting and financial crunch. Dombrowski is a guy who comes in and spends big. And I'm hoping it's, it's a symbol of John Middleton changing his viewpoints of, okay, uh, maybe I didn't actually lose 145 million. I just didn't earn it. It'll come back. I think once fans, I don't think he realizes once fans, specifically Phillies fans are allowed in the stadium again. I I don't think the team is going to be a a world series contender next season, but I think if you're allowed to have fans back in the stands for baseball, there will be sellouts. John Middleton will make that money back because we have been deprived of live sports and we want to get back. I know I do. As soon as the ballpark is open, I'm going back in. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's been over a year since we've seen Bryce Harper in right field live. Right. And we still have not been able to see uh, Zach Wheeler, a Zach Wheeler start Alec in a Phillies uniform. Alec Bohm. We haven't seen Alec Bohm yet. People are going to flock because there's going to be things that, that they miss, things they haven't seen yet. And it, John, it's just he has to not be short-sighted. A guy that becomes a billionaire a businessman that becomes that successful there's no way he's short-sighted right no you don't get to that be. level of success of being short-sighted he has to look at the long game and you don't want to alienate your fans no Having, you don't hey guess what the jt and bryce show is back and alec bohm is here now too to join it all right people are gonna come back as long as that show's still in town, people are going to come back. We can see, we could see more sellouts, like you were saying. Right. I think that'll be that'll that will happen once fans are allowed back in the stadium. Um, my one, one of the quotes that I pulled out of Dombrowski's presser um, that I really liked to hear was that he was looking to build a team that can sustain success. He wasn't looking for a one one time job, like a quick hitter success. Now he was looking to build a team that could sustain success in the future. And as Phillies fans, we've already seen that one time, just a one time run, get all our good years out. And then we drop off into the face of oblivion. 2011 was the last time the Phillies were good. 2012, 2011, 2012. It's been eight years since the Phillies had any form of success. And I think someone, a president of baseball operations who says they're looking to come in and build a team that's going to be successful for years to come and sustain that success makes me excited. I think that... It's important to keep in mind, too, 
when you're talking about the budget and stuff that there's considerable money coming off the books for Dombrowski to kind of work with for this offseason. And I think JT is like the quintessential Dave Dombrowski move in, yes, in my is. eyes. So when I was kind of looking at some numbers and Dombrowski was saying that they were going to have to look into all this, obviously he just got on the job. He hasn't looked at everything yet. Right. So he said he has to see if it's feasible. And when Dave Dombrowski searches up his name, finds this podcast and listens, I'm <laughs> going to give him a little bit of research that I did. So JT last year made 10 million. I think it's fair to assume he'll make 20 to 25 million. So in terms of adding to the payroll, we'll say that's $15 million added to the payroll for next season. So when you think about the contracts that are coming off the books, well, we can just think of three main contracts. I can think off of the books. one in, in particular. Arietta did nothing for us over the last three years. Yep. Jake Arietta. His Arrieta. massive you know, contract was, is coming off the books. I was so hyped when, when we got him a couple of years ago, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. Maybe we'll see Cy Young Jake. And then it, it never happened. Yeah. He think, sucked. Yeah. I think it was a disappointment. Um, maybe they sign him to a minimum deal. I doubt they. No, bring him no, back. no, 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 no. We're not talking about Jake Arietta, but his Send contract coming off moon. the books. His contract coming off the books is an asset for this team. Yes. There is $20 million back. So we already said you, you have to get to 15. You already 15 have million it. extra that you're going to spend. And then if you don't bring back Didi, there's that was a one year, 14, $14 million. So there's, so there's $34 million, million off the books more. already. Yeah. So you're already in the plus able to sign JT. And have a lower lower deal. and But we still need to add some relievers. So there's some money kind of to play with there. But you look at a reliever contract that came off the books. $10 million for David Robertson. So we're at what? $44 million now? Yep. $44 million off the books. Just based on three guys. Plus JT's $10 million is... So that's a total of 54 million off the books. So I think you don't even need to pay half that for this one, for this next season salary of JT. And then you're looking at next year when you think you're going to have more revenue, then now you don't really need to cut costs because you were already comfortable where you were at. You were planning, I think at some point going over the luxury tax and not to mention Odubel Herrera's contract is off the books after next year and Andrew McCutcheon's. So this need to cut cost, not able to pay JT thing, when you really dig into the books, unless, unless they are just dirt poor, which you can't own a baseball team if you're dirt no, poor. No, it's impossible. Yeah, and they can still have a lower payroll and just kind of sign maybe some some fringe bullpen guys, not the more expensive ones, which but I think the market in general 
is going to go down. So you can yeah, sign think- Archie Bradley and stuff. You can cut your payroll this offseason and still retain JT, maybe even DD, but the the prime thing you need to do is, is retain. retain JT. So if someone just explains this stuff to Dombrowski, just be like, hey, look, here's where it was at. We want to get under this number, but here's all the money that came off. Right. I think a lot of Phillies fans don't realize, and maybe John Middleton didn't realize how much money was coming off the books. <laughs> I would hope he season. does. I, I, he I also probably would know his books. Yeah, but I mean, the way he was talking just a few days ago didn't sound like like, okay, let's address. I know he came out and said that it, he wouldn't trade Zach Wheeler for Babe Ruth or Mike Schmidt, which, first off, John Middleton, just because Babe Ruth is dead, I'd still probably trade Zach Wheeler for him. But how the hell do Babe you even Ruth let. confirmed good. How the hell do you even let a rumor get out that the Phillies are going to listen to offers for Zach Wheeler because of a financial crunch? How does that even and Jen John Middleton has to come out and say that's not true? Then who what idiot in the organization thought, oh yeah, this will be good. Let's send this out to a, a trusted source in the MLB. See, there's another reason that it could be important to get Dombrowski in. This offseason has been a joke. So a far. huge joke. So far for the Phillies, it has been a joke we just went to the winter meetings without a gm without somebody running the franchise fixed now but yeah we 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 got somebody at the end of the winter meetings plus just just to further show how it's a joke i i don't know if you guys paid attention to listened in to the rule five draft I i did and it was it was fast moving, fast paced. They would call out for a team, like they would call out Los Angeles Angels. Who's your pick? Boom. They would say the name. All right, Angels pick. Boom. Next team. They called out the Phillies' name. Silence. They didn't answer. It was a good thirty seconds of silence, and they said, "Philadelphia Phillies, we need to hear your pick." Everybody else was on the ball. We were the only team that wasn't ready. I thought we were just going to forfeit our pick. Something like that. um, Well, you you can do that. But even the teams that were doing that, they said, yeah, we passed. We're not picking anyone. The Phillies didn't answer. And that was a few hours before the Dave Dombrowski official hiring. So I think getting a guy that – least has his credentials as like be me being cautiously optimistic i'm obviously not all the way in on it but at least he gives credibility to the organization we get to kind of reset from the absolute joke that this offseason has been so far under dave dombrowski now <sighs> and he talked about it in his press conference and so often you start building your championship teams in October, right after the world series is over. That's when things kind of start. Dave Dombrowski has to catch all the way up. Then that really makes me think the Phillies are going to, it's going to be a transition year. Um, 
it, it's going to take some time for his his ideas to kind of shine through the organization. But um, the one another thing that really impressed me was uh, it sounded like the Phillies were all in on re-signing JT, which they need to be. He said it. Everyone in the organization from top to bottom, the front office, feels mutual about re-signing JT. The only question is how much money they're going to be able to give JT. Uh, our Jeff, Tom Kava just texted me. He goes, how much do you think JT is going to get? He was like, uh, he said to me, 12 and a, I, he shouldn't be offended by $12.5 million a year because Salvador Perez makes 14 and a guy we're going to talk about at the end of the show just signed a contract to make $10 million a year. He thinks, oh, meet halfway, a little bit more than halfway. Um, I, I think gets it done. J, no, it definitely does not get it done. Um, I think JT's going to get that 20 million, 20 to 25 and a half million. I think um, this offseason, due to the kind of the contracts that have been signed before him and just the, the nature of the losses that the MLB did suffer, you have to acknowledge that. I think his number will now come in closer to $20 million. But it's good to hear that the Phillies are all in on re-signing the most important player. Yeah, I definitely think that that was one of the the key aspects. He did say he's not sure they can add JT and other pieces. So that's why he did I think say that. I think we highlighted a lot of cheaper bullpen options, like the bargain bin. That's mm-hmm. probably where we're going to shop. We still have to shop, but you can for bullpen, still obviously you can shop in the bargain bin, and there are guys that are going to. I mean, Christ, you shop in the bargain bin, you're getting better than what we have in our bullpen already. That's, so you, I, you can't get much worse than what we had the last. You year, can't but I'm saying if that you're the Phillies. Out. If you're the Phillies, the bargain bin does not exist in the bullpen area. It's yeah. everyone is just better and upgrade over what we have. I'm saying this more takes us out of the Liam Hendricks sweepstakes, someone like that, or maybe right. maybe even Brad Hand, but I think Brad Hand's value could be down for some. Well, reason. yeah, that and that was indicative of the the Indians not picking up his ten million dollars. And every team passing on him for right. 10 million. So I think that's I think he his value goes down and that puts him in play for the Phillies. Um so, yeah, I mean, he did say, but he also said he didn't know. He wasn't sure if it was possible to have JT and other pieces, which, I mean, still leaves the door kind of cracked open just a little bit for the potential to sign other pieces. But um, I, I'm not expecting, I expect the Phillies to make a push on JT. And then, like you said, bring in those fringe guys that are more of a, a high, high risk, high reward. Um. The last thing from the press conference that I want to touch on before we get to a pretty big signing that just went down in the MLB is a question that might have been from Jim Salisbury. Not sure, though. It was, uh, do you see this as a rebuild or a retool? Yep. We've been talking a lot about this. It seems it, it kept seeming like they were sending sending signals of a rebuild tear it down tear it down finally we have some someone credible getting up and saying 
No. It's a retool, not a yeah. rebuild. We are not rebuilding. He said Thank the, the Lord. Don't know if oh I can take God. another rebuild right the, now. The, there's it, and Dombrowski put it perfectly. It is impossible for the Phillies to rebuild at this point. You have a star player. You have one of the faces of the MLB in right field. How are you going to rebuild with Bryce Harper and a, a $375 million contract? Like it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't rebuild with Bryce. You can't rebuild with Nola and Wheeler. You can't rebuild with boom. One yeah. of the things I did think was very interesting when he talked about the retool versus rebuild was he called Zach Eflin a star arm. I Does he know that. something we don't? Zach Eflin is an extremely, an extremely playable arm. I think he fits in almost extremely. any rotation. Extremely playable. New word. Um, yeah, I Zach mean, Eflin, I called it out before the last season that I think he was going to be a very important guy because if you look back two seasons ago when we had that fraud Chris Young as our pitching coach, <laughs> he had Zach Eflin pitching up in the zone. Why? No, and Zach Eflin's Why? not an up in the zone guy. No, Zach Eflin makes his living on ground balls. Low in yeah, the, and, keep it at and low. This year, we even saw more play. strikeouts. Yeah, we did. But, Zach Eflin took a big step forward this year, and I, I think he'll take another step forward. Um, I like Zach Eflin. He always finds a way somehow to throw like a complete game shutout, just like our Nola can't do it. Zach Wheeler doesn't do it. Yeah, oh, here's Zach Eflin. Here's Zach Eflin throwing two complete game shutouts in one season. Like, okay, thanks, Zach. But He's, then the next start, he turns around and lets up seven runs. He is. So you take a, the good and the bad with Eflin, but I, I'm hoping yeah. he continues to take steps forward. Now that he's more focused and being allowed to do what he excels at, which is pitching down in the zone, I expect to continue to see him to take steps forward. Because, I mean, a few years back, the year before Chris Young, you saw F1 turn in a really good season. And then the Chris mm-hmm. Young year, he had one terrible month. But you took that out, and it, otherwise it was a solid season. Right. And then he impressed me over the, the shortened season. With Brian Price. And uh, Caleb Cotham is going to be – he's the same, from the yeah. same pitching tree as Brian Price. Um, and Cotham's a young guy. He just – I think he pitched in the MLB as recently as 2015. So he'll be able to connect with the guys. And I'm, I'm excited, I think, like you're saying, as long as Zach Eflin's allowed to focus on what he does well and do what he does well, I think we'll be able to see more of the 2020 and before, with the exception of the Chris Young year. Yeah, we have, in my opinion, we have four guys locked into our rotation right now. We have... Eflin, Howard, and then obviously Noah Wheeler. So do you think Howard starts the season in the major leagues? Or do you think he's – because I kind of get the feeling like I I think back to the season, and I think Howard was rushed up. I don't think we would have seen him if there was a minor league season occurring. That makes me think he might start the season in AAA just to kind of get his bearings, get uh, more confident again, and then bring him – back up to the major leagues um what do you think about that yeah i, I agree 
100%. I think we just, like you said, I think if there was a minor league season, we wouldn't have seen them. But I think due to the circumstances and half the rotation either just going down or whatever, I think we saw a little bit of a rush Spencer Howard more than I think we would have liked to have seen. I, I, I think maybe, maybe we see him again this year. I think it's more towards the later end of the season rather yeah, than... Yeah, I, I think we definitely... I think we see him after the All-Star game, after the trade deadline, somewhere between those two points of the season towards the second half. But I think for the benefit of Spencer Howard, he starts the season in AAA. Yeah, I, I agree. And the same um, thing... Unless I he think... comes into spring training and just lights it up. That's yeah, I was going to say. I think you're going to give him spring training. And right. my opinion is... He's going to take a step forward. I think he can earn that job in spring training. I don't think he has to like put up like crazy no. numbers, like not allow a run or something. Like if well, he hey, just want to do that, Spencer. I yeah, mean... you could do that. That's fine. I'm cool with it. Um, but if if he just shows solid steps forward, uh, I think right. he, he made a few mistakes. He it was a tougher season to start out in. Yeah, I think so. Um, especially as a pitcher. Like but I think ultimately I think he's gonna be likely to start out the year in the majors, is my okay. opinion. Just because so little... I I think we have a lack of of talent outside of the four guys that I mentioned. Talent that's ready to go now in a rotation. So you think and he's I think starter in that rotation, Jeff? I think he'll slot in at the the four or five, they might put him at five to more limit his workload. Yeah. But I just think that he still represents the best chance for the team to win. And it, it's not like you're trying to keep his service time down. You, That's already gone. Um, right. So I think, I think he starts out right away in the majors. He's, you saw, he's not gonna, it's not like he's not ready to the point where he's going to kill you. Right, and I think yeah, I agree. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in the majors. Um, I just think maybe it could be a little beneficial for him, maybe to go down a step. But I again wouldn't be surprised if he starts. Yeah, I, I just think he's majors. too important to the big league club, though. And I think ultimately that as long as he's he pitches fine in spring training, I I, I see your guys' points, but I I believe that you will see him on the big league club opening okay. day. That's fair. Maybe we so, see him in the bullpen. Maybe no, I know we no. did that with Fulham. No, if, if he's, no, if he's you don't up, see Spencer Howard in the bullpen. Yeah. Spencer Howard's not a bull. He's not one of those guys you put in the bullpen. Spencer Howard. We need him to be a starter too yeah. much is what yeah. it comes down to. Um, do you guys have any, anything else uh, about the Phillies, miscellaneous Phillies, Dave Dombrowski, um, the off season before we move on to, uh, one contract or one or two contracts that have been signed that we've kind of talked about them on the show in previous episodes. No, I think it's time that we get to uh, one of maybe the biggest deciding factors as to what JT's value is going to be. Yeah. And that deciding factor comes in uh, the news broke this morning. I think that James McCann and the Mets have agreed to a four year, $40 million deal so McCann coming in earning 10 million dollars a year I think he made a it's a good decision for him to sign the Mets a good signing 
but I think the timing of his signing is stupid. I think he has just taken the catcher market down a notch. If he would have waited for JT to sign and JT gets some crazy deal, which I still think he'll get over a hundred million dollars. Um, James McCann could be signing in the range of 60 to $75 million instead of 40. I think, yeah, you would have seen my, my number that I was kind of thinking for McCann, I thought he was going to be around 15 million. And I think in a normal market, you see him get 15 million a year for around four years. So looking at like a four for 60 deal. And that's, that's how I thought that that would come after JT signing in on the like 120-ish range almost. And McCann, I don't know if the only way I see, the only logic I see as to him signing before JT was him and his agency saw it as a race to the Mets. That's the only thing to me that that made sense. Like maybe they thought that the angels weren't going to be as willing to spend given their dire need for pitching. <laughs> but the other, the other thing that it opens up for I McCann signs on a team friendly deal. Does that open the Mets up to even more of a free agent splash? We all know we keep harping back on it and it's going to be a recurring theme how Stevie Cohen got the money by questionable means, but he has it. He does have it. I'm, I think that's, that's it. The, it opens only $10 million a year for McCann opens up them to be able to sign someone like God forbid, Trevor Bauer, George Springer, Jackie Bradley jr. They're still open to signing one more big name free agent because they didn't have to splash over 50, $60 million on a catcher. I'm going to take it a step further than that. I don't think it just opens them up to, I think it signals that they're going to, I think it does too. I just hope it's not Trevor Bauer. They can sign George Springer. They can sign Jackie Bradley jr. They can sign whoever the hell they want, just as long as it's not Trevor Bauer. If he's signing with a team, that's not the Cincinnati reds. Get him away from the NL East. We already have too many good pitchers to deal with. I do not want to have to deal with Trevor Bauer's arm for the next however many years. My official opinion as to where they're going to go, I think just by looking at James McCann, them getting the Mets signing James McCann, the Angels not going as in as you've seen them go on free agents in the past to outbid the Mets for McCann. Mm-hmm. I think that's telling that the Mets didn't have JT Real Muto as the number one bat on their board. And I think it shows the angels are looking to spend their money elsewhere. So I think the Mets have their sights set mainly on George Springer. And I think that's where he lands. And I, I think, think the fair. angels know the move they have to make the thing that would bring that would help them more than anything. Yeah. I think they land Bauer. Again, I'd be very okay with that. Um, I think, I don't think Springer does as much for the Mets as Bauer does, 
but they they're a team that needs they don't need the pitching help in their starting rotation. They need the bat help. You got to remember they have Noah Syndergaard coming back. He missed the entire season. They still have Jake Degrom. They have Marcus Stroman coming back. The Mets have a good rotation. They don't really need Bauer, but they do need the help with the bats. I mean, Pete Alonso's a fraud, so they need as much help as they can get in that lineup. Yeah, one year wonder Pete Alonso. The kind of player comp for him is uh, Pablo Sandoval. Just ate himself out of the league. Hey, I'm, well, okay I'm likely it. you see Pete Alonso bounce back, and then you yeah. saw, you saw. Well, now they're going to be down Cano, so that kind of hurts their lineup. Uh, Cheater. But I, I mean, if the the Mets now were to also sign Springer we're pretty clearly behind the Mets if we don't bring back JT. Yeah. Bring you back yeah. JT, we can still compete. I mean, I we, so. we don't bring him back. Huh. Then, no. And then, then, then we're then in we're, a battle with Washington. Yeah, then we're hoping uh, Andrew Knapp can step up at that point. I, I Andrew I mean, Knapp did get Jacob deGrom. He did. This he past season. He, he took him deep. <laughs> But I think, um, yeah, James McCann, the Mets, they were uh, they were obviously the Phillies. I think the Phillies' main competition for JT. Um, I think it's now he's now the Phillies' player to lose. Um, if if they don't, if the Phillies don't retain JT, it signals to me that they just didn't make an effort. I think their competition now. I think the high bidder is out. The high, the high bidder is most is definitely out. Out, the Mets were the one that I thought would just outbid everybody, and that would be that. Um, but I think now it's going to come down to the Phillies, the Nationals. Maybe they want a little revenge too on us for. Oh my God! The, if the, the Phillies, man. and the other one would be Toronto. Yeah, I think those are probably. That's probably a fair assessment. Um, I swear to God, if the Nationals sign JT. But I think uh, mainly a safe prediction for what JT is going to get salary-wise is it's going to be double McCann. So I think somewhere in the 20 to 25 range is where it ends up. And I think it's four to five years. Right, so you're thinking maybe like ninety to one hundred ten million dollars. I think a hundred ten over five. I I think now with the McCann sign, like I was more towards like oh JT could probably get one twenty. Now I think um with the the James McCann signing, I think JT signs. I I'm my prediction. I think obviously he comes back to Philadelphia, a five year one hundred million dollar contract. $20 million a year. Just See, one interesting thing I think they could do. I don't know if anybody saw the Carlos Santana contract where yeah, he's going to the Kansas Royals. City now. Yeah. So the way it broke down, the first year is considerably less than the second year. Mm-hmm. That's something they, that's an approach they could take with JT. Be like, Hey, look, where if you'll take kind of the opposite of the Bryce deal 
where the first year was by far the highest. Right, where um, if we backload your salary. Yeah, if they can just kind of like, all right, it won't be as much this year, but then the next couple of years, boom, you got a higher AAV. But say it's like, okay, we'll give you $10 million the first season, and then we'll spread that $10 million out over the next four, something like that. I think that's certainly an interesting route that the Phillies could take with uh, the potential of a JT contract. I mean, I think my official stance is you, you bring back JT and then anything else after that is added benefit for the Phillies. I think he's obviously he has to be signing number one player, number one, top of the board. Um, if you can manage to bring back DD on a team friendly deal, if you can manage to bring in bullpen arms on a team friendly deal, then do it. I'm already turned turning to the trade deadline in next offseason when Chris Bryant's available. Dave Dombrowski just has me, uh, the big spending in his nature has me excited. The Phillies get Chris Bryant, and oh my God, is that lineup just dangerous with Bryce, Boom, Reese, Bryant, JT. Oh my God. Yeah, and I, oh my God. That lineup to me is a dream come true it's so oh my god that's just moonshot after moonshot after moonshot but i would agree that this offseason if it comes down to jt and just like an arm or two that's a win yeah i think it is well i think jt archie bradley and jt archie bradley and brad hand that's a great offseason for the Phillies. Even if it's not opinion. even the caliber of Brad Hand, even if it's just like another equivalent of Archie Bradley. Yeah, I, think I mean, Trevor, Rose, Trevor Rosenthal is still available. I like him. Yeah, that yeah, bullpen just, needs a lot of just work. Some like, just some of those middle-tier guys, you kind of get some of them and then make a move at the deadline or something for somebody if, right. if things aren't going as well in the bullpen. We can't, we don't compete without JT. Yeah. We don't, no, we don't seriously compete without JT. You saw last year the lineup for a while get carried by JT and Bryce. You're going to need them both. Yeah. And then right when they went cold, other guys stepped up for mm-hmm. a while. The lineup was carried by Reese and Boom before Reese went down with his uh, Tommy John. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on uh, bringing JT back. Another contract that I wanted to talk about real quick before we kind of wrap things up is David Dahl signed with the Rangers on a one-year deal. I know he, he was one of those guys we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, um, uh, two weeks ago, where um, he could be in one of those, like one of those guys who's the steal of the offseason. He got a very, like a, it's a one-year $3 million. Oh, like, my God, that's a what a signing. That's an absolute steal of a player. That signing by the Rangers so far is the deal of the offseason. Yeah. I mean, and they're going to. Here's the thing is the Rangers pretty clearly aren't intending on competing this year. They made that very, very, very known when they just traded Lance Lynn. Mm. So right now. They're going to have one of the premier chips at the deadline 
if David Dahl shows, like, kind of bounces back and shows, hey, I'm just a pure lefty hitter in the outfield with pretty solid defense, like playable defense. Yeah. And With splits of 302, 353, and 524. Like 15 home runs, 61 RBIs. He could be a big deal. And one thing I didn't realize his contract is for one year, $3 million. He's arbitration eligible for the next two seasons after that. So he really doesn't become a free agent again until 2023 if a team wants to keep him. So that is a huge, that is a huge bargaining chip for the Rangers to get prospect capital if he bounces back and has a good for a good season up to the trade deadline. I think it's an incredibly smart move by the Rangers. They're going to cash in on him at the deadline. Oh yeah. They are going to cash in and get maybe not like a great prospect, but $3 million to you figure they'll only wind up paying half of that. If they trade him at the deadline. Yeah. And they'll get some solid prospects in a couple months. That's a great move. And by the you Rangers. have to think David Dahl was an all-star in 2019. I He's more likely to return to that than he was than what he was over 24 games last season. I just, it's a absolute. steal for the Rangers. It's an absolute steal. It's a great deal. Um, I think pretty soon we're going to start seeing uh, free agents go quicker and quicker now that Davey Doms is at the helm of Philly yeah, you know it I'm I'm excited um obviously all the all of the big names stands James McCann are still on the board it'll be huge when we hear where Trevor Bauer goes uh JT I mean I'm already pushing all my eggs into the basket that the Yankees keep DJ LeMayhew. Where do agreed? Like there's just a a bunch of guys that are big names that are still yet to be signed. And I think there's a, I think there might be one or two trades that happen this off season or early in the season that kind of catch some people off guard. I think, uh, I think you're going to get one of those trades out of the Rockies where they move one of their top guys for prospects. I'm thinking uh, Arenado or Trevor Story could be on the move before the trade deadline. Maybe both. Who knows? Because, you know, Certain Nolan Arenado's contract, I've never seen that many opt-outs in my life. He was just like, at any moment, I could tell the Rockies to go stick it, and I'm done playing. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of interesting moves still to be made. Hopefully a few of them are by our guide, Dave. Yeah, our our new our guy. He's our guy now. Like um like you were saying earlier, cautious, cautiously optimistic. Um the second he starts offloading prospects, I'm gonna cry, but until that yeah, point I, I mean he signed the contract, he's the president. I mean, might as well embrace it and get yeah. excited. He he brings in I big mean, guys. He's a lot better he's better than some of the other guys we could have had. A proven winner, which is what we've kind of longed for in philadelphia so uh the dave dombrowski era has officially began at citizens bank park in south philly i'm excited to see where it goes any other any closing remarks from you guys before we uh wrap it up the only thing i have to say is if dave dombrowski's shown one thing it's buckle up
Yeah, oh, we're be, in for a ride. This is gonna be an interesting ride. At least things for the next couple of years are gonna be interesting. Mm. So buckle up, Philly fans. Will you got anything? I I think what Jeff just said should be absolutely the theme of this episode. We're we're in for a ride. Let's buckle up. Let's get ready. It's gonna be an interesting and fun time, I think, for Phillies fans coming soon. Well, Phillies fans, you heard it here. Buckle up. It is going to get crazy for our fighting Phils in the next coming years. Hopefully, it's a crazy good time. Hopefully, we have a parade on Broad Street. Hopefully, the Dave Dombrowski era starts with the Philadelphia Phillies running it back. This was another episode of the Shooting the Shift podcast. We will see you next week where if there's not much happening in news-wise, we might be discussing some baseball movies. Tuttles.